Hour two on Radio Row here in Las Vegas. Super Bowl 58 Sunday on the Team 980. Uh, Bomani Jones in 15 minutes right now. The man you just heard, uh, Damon Amendolara, approver of the show and of Anthony's liking of, of dumplings, is with us uh, here in Vegas. What's up? Are you awake? Uh, yeah. I'm alive. Awake is a stretch, but I'm alive. You know, I'm going on the air locally 3 a.m., so yep. last night, not a lot of sleep. Basically, my week has been a series of naps. Yeah, Which so what was worse, the sleep regression of your newborn child or this week? Well, they're they're difficult in two different ways. The, <laughs> the child was most difficult just from a sheer endurance standpoint because yeah. We had to stay up at all hours. He would not sleep unless he was in our arms. So we had to tag in at 1 a.m., tag in at 4 a.m., etc. This is harder just because I'm also consuming alcohol. And so that's made it a little bit more difficult just that's to, a like... choice. <laughs> yes, but it is you also Vegas. You gone your, your sleep deprivation and you were basically <laughs> drunk already. That's actually, like, how the brain chemistry works. You, you know? know what? Also, I actually have to perform here. When right, I was, that's the thing. When I was like, watching, you, have to, you have to speak. When I was watching AJ, you know, I'm just all I'm doing is just, just to, keeping my eye, yeah. eyes open with toothpicks. I'm not performing. No, you have to. You have to not just speak. You have to speak in like coherent sentences and yes. talk to people. Slightly. What's been your uh, your favorite interview uh, over on SiriusXM this week? Troy Palomalo came by and um, he said two things that blew me away. Number one, he said he did a Head and Shoulders commercial with Patrick Mahomes, and ever since the commercial, Mahomes has sent him a gift every month. Every month, right? Your eyes go up too. Like, who sends anybody anything every month besides like spam? And that is just <laughs> such a thoughtful thing from Patrick Mahomes that speaks to, I think, an emotional intelligence that he has for teammates, for the fans, for the moment, for the opponents. The other thing that Troy said did, was... Wait, Tom, did he tell you what the gift is? No. Oh. No. What if it was just like a bottle of head and shoulders? Because <laughs> well, that, be, that would be funny. Right, he just told, told his PR person. Just, yeah, he's like, hey, make sure yeah. that, you know, we get so much of this, Brittany's trying to tell me to get it out of the house. Yeah, you know, yeah. Can, you, can you fix that for us? The second thing that Troy said was he won two Super Bowls, one with Bill Cowher, one with Mike Tomlin. And he yes. said in the 08 Super Bowl, that's that classic game in which James Harrison returns the Kurt Warner interception, 100 yards, 99 yards. That's the Santonio Holmes tiptoe catch. Yes. That in that Going into that game, Mike Tomlin was so laid back with the team, Palomalo was scared they were too loose. He's like, we got no no guardrails around no here. No nothing. And he said, Tomlin knew the team well enough, but Palomalo was paranoid. And that is so interesting because if you now extrapolate that to today, the concern in Pittsburgh has been that Tomlin is so much of a player's coach, but he doesn't have natural leaders things kind of go askew. And I thought, boy, you go back to 08, it worked for that team, but maybe that is the worst thing for the Steelers today. And you also don't think about Tomlin as being not buttoned up with details and discipline, but Palomalo was paranoid they were too loose. That's pretty fascinating. And also, I would love to have Pittsburgh's problems. Are right. you kidding me? Like, right. how He's never had a losing season. No. You know how many losing seasons I've covered? <laughs> <laughs> a lot. All of them, basically. All of them. All of it. I've, I've covered teams, Damon, that have won divisions with losing seasons. Well, and Troy Palomalo didn't play in the Ice Age. Like, he's relatively recent, and he played in three Super Bowls, two of which under Mike Tomlin. Yeah. So I, I get Steelers fans are impatient. They're frustrated. They haven't won a playoff game in a number of years. 
at the same time, the current head coach has coached in two Super Bowls. Hard to get rid of a guy that's coached in two Super Bowls that hasn't had a losing season. Yeah, uh, you're, you're, we just need him to have the bad year so we can fire him. Maybe it'll happen in 2058. Yeah. Uh, Damon Amendolara, Sirius XM. You can catch him 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern time, which unfortunately for him is 3 to 6 Pacific uh, since we are sitting here in Las Vegas. Uh, you actually have a, you have a local take that uh, I would like to discuss with you. Yeah. You, uh, you, you were not a fan oh, of the Cliff Kingsbury God. hire. Oh, God. Um, and this I got to admit, this I, uh, I think at first started very much where you were i've warmed to it a bit so i'm curious like let's let's for the audience that hasn't heard the cliff kingsbury take where are you out on cliff kingsbury commander's offensive coordinator then we can have a little discussion well i think he's the biggest fraud in football because soft soft uh, launch there because he has not succeeded anywhere he's been to any significant degree when he gets the head coaching job at texas tech he never has a winning record within the big 12 He's supposed to be a great offensive mind with Patrick freaking Mahomes. His best season is 7-5 and five and a loss to the Texas Bowl. Then he somehow fails upward to get the head coaching job in Arizona. Every Tech fan was like, this guy's a bum. Then he gets the Cardinals job. Every year is the same thing. They start off hot. They collapse down the stretch. The one year they go to the postseason, they're completely ill-prepared to take on that Rams team. They're down 21-0 at the half, 28-0 in the third quarter. His team is known for penalties poor coaching sloppy play and slow starts and or fades in the second half of the season then he goes to usc and caleb williams has a worse season with him than he had without him and usc crashes and burns now i know that their defense was the bigger problem but there were three other teams in the pac-12 that scored more points per game than usc and now he's going to take over a washington gig because they're angling for Caleb, perhaps, and they know that there's a familiarity there. I just think this guy has never proven anything. It just keeps getting plum jobs. So everything you said uh, in terms of the, the resume information is inarguably true. That's kind of how uh, resumes work. That's well, right. not for everybody, but that's that's a different story. That's a, There's some wacky. <laughs> George O'Leary? There. Yeah, I was, I was like, there's a couple famous instances. That's, a, that's certainly one of them. Um, but... I think when you look at, like, uh, you take a closer look at some of those stops, it was really the defense in a lot of those cases. I mean, how many, like, 50 to 48 games did he lose at Tech? And so he is taking the offensive coordinator job, not the head coaching job. If somebody hired Cliff Kingsbury as a head coach, I would have, I wouldn't even have questions. It'd just be like, what, I guess, what are you doing is a question, but I would be like, I, I don't really care what your answer is. That was a bad decision. Him as an offensive coordinator where he doesn't have to worry about the defense and perhaps can not fade because he is not worrying about the defense in the second half of the year or pretending to care about the defense the second half of the year is much more intriguing. And I think you start to talk to people around the league and there's a lot of respect for what he does offensively, even if everyone's like, yeah, but he's not a head coach. I understand I'm the bucket of cold water in a pool of optimism, and nobody wants that. And in D.C., I don't blame you guys. You guys have dealt with a lot of losing, a lot of bad Washington offense, a lot of bad commanders football. I totally get why you'd want to believe in Cliff Kingsbury. But there's two things problematic, and you're right. Head coach, he's a total bum. Offensive coordinator, perhaps better. Two things still worry me. Number one, his offense consistently got less effective as year as the year season wore on. I think defensive coordinators picked up on tendencies, and I don't think he's a very good game planner. I think he tends to stick to what he does and doesn't invest time in evolving that over the course of the season. 
The second thing that worries me is if you can't do it with Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, and Caleb Williams, what makes me think you can do it in the NFL with a rookie quarterback, which is going to happen this season for Washington? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question, and I think those are the concerns. Um, I, I guess the things that would, and I, to be clear, like I, these are the questions, right? I'm going to underline that again to, to say that like I agree with you that those are the questions. They are counting on the answers being, one, we had Dan Quinn on the show earlier this week, and you described Cliff as an elite competitor, which I think is interesting and, like, talking to people what around. coach isn't? But, like, there's there's levels to that. We are know some that, coaches lazy about competition? Uh, I would say some are lazier than others. Uh, you want to look at the guy that was in charge here the last four years? I okay, so you don't think he was very competitive, Ron Rivera? I don't think that Ron Rivera was as competitive as Sean McVay. I don't think Ron Rivera is as competitive as Dan Quinn. I don't think Ron Rivera is competitive as a lot of other Boy, NFL I mean, coaches. Ron Rivera like, played on the this. 85 Bears. He's not competitive? He doesn't what? want it as badly as Sean McVay does? The draw, I, I think Ron cared about, because to me, like it's also how do you define competitiveness, right? Like, is it about your drive to win, your hatred of losing, like all of those things? Like I think Ron cared about a lot of other stuff, like narrative driven, much more than like what was ultimately going to get me the results. And maybe also his the point in his career where he had For already sure. done stuff. And, and did- like to be fair to Ron Rivera, the man has a lot of life perspective. Like the battle with cancer was very, very real. Like that can take a hit, and he was dealing with a lot of other stuff. But I, I do think that what they're relying on is that Cliff now with more time to figure out the offense will do that as opposed to. Oh crap! I got to prepare for a team meeting because I'm the head coach and I probably shouldn't be. I hope so. Look, I, I, do. I, I hope so. But there was a moment in his tenure with the Cardinals that will forever bother me, and that was in year number four. He, early in the season, said, "I don't like our practice habits. I don't like our focus. I don't like our mentality. We're taking things for granted." It's year four. That's your job. Whose job is the mentality of the team but Cliff Kingsbury? Now, I realize it's different as an OC than a head coach. But, I mean, take some responsibility, dude. It's your team. You know what I think is hilarious? You sound like all of us screaming about Ron Rivera the last four years. (laughs) Uh, That's David Amendolara. You catch him 6 to 9 a.m. on Sirius XM. Uh, Bomani Jones, he's standing right there, and he's going to take Damon's seat next. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. We are live on Radio Row. Bomani Jones is with us. What's up, Bo? Hey, man, I'm good. How about you? Uh, Good. It it feels like Friday out here. It does. I got to say, you need to feel loved. You walk into Mandalay Bay. I'm here to do this little 15-minute hit. It took me 20 minutes to get down here. It is wild. It is a hike. Everything is a hike inside the buildings of wherever it is that you go. So we were here this summer, and luckily we stayed here. So, like, we actually, when someone was like, oh, yeah, down by the Shark Reef, I'm like, oh, I know where that is. Yes. Uh, I, I came this summer to go to the Beyonce concert. And so this is what people don't know. The hotel where this is is the closest one to the stadium. And so if right. you go go to dinner before you go do something at the stadium, you do it here. That Shark Reef. I was like, oh, I know where that is. Yeah, we were going to some Aces games in the arena right yes. there. So, like, that is, it, it is definitely convenient. They did a, a good job. But it is kind of weird, um, especially because it's Friday. But this has happened every day. I don't know what time of the day you've been here. I know you were here around this time yesterday because yeah. that's when – by the way, I have a funny story about that in a second. Um, but, like, you feel all the East Coast midday shows and afternoon shows, because we go till 7, most people go till 6. Right. Like, you feel the building empty out behind you. Yeah, well, it's very interesting being here three hours behind the East Coast, because 
look, man, I couldn't get here for no 6 a.m. Like, you know, no. I can tell people, what am I doing here, man? I'm just prostituting myself, walking up and down this stroll, give them a little lip. You know, you know, I, you know, I, I do I do you. I do somebody else over there. Daddy, you can watch if you want. Like, that's that's when <laughs> like I'm that's I'm in that position now. Like you walk around here and you see all these people prostituting themselves. We saw people just a second ago wearing Letterman's jackets for bounty paper towels. Yes. I ain't gonna lie. They were fresh jackets until no, you nice. realize it was for bounty paper towels. And it's just a lot of people and you feel bad while you're doing it. You're just walking around hoping to get shows, hoping somebody pull way, you by the arm and pull you over. The the bounty, they're making good money off that. Because uh, actually one of the guys that I saw yesterday doing it, he's not he, he was just uh, pimping himself out to bounty, not necessarily to all the radio <laughs> row. But like Terry McLaurin was walking around yesterday, which is like as big of a star as we have in D.C. And I'm like, 17, what's up? And he's like, no, it's it's a good time. Like, we got to do a fun video bit. They gave me this nice jacket. I ate some chicken, and, and here we are. But this is the other part, and we were just talking about this. You say this with Cherry McLaurin. Cherry McLaurin walk up to me. He better be wearing a Cherry McLaurin jersey. Otherwise, he could be one of many football players walking around here whose identity I cannot quite surmise no. strictly on their faces. I mean, we, I know he wears 17. Yeah, we got, well, the thing is, like, we, we probably have take on some of these guys' games that just walked by. Yes. We have no idea who they are because they're not wearing helmets. We jerseys. just had one guy walk past, and we were like, is this, and I'm not going to say it, but incredibly famous football player? And yeah. we're just not sure. No, that is that is Radio Row. And then, of course, there's always the – I think the other one, too, which I'm sure you get this a lot because you're, you're, what, like 6'3"? Yeah. So you get the, the people that you see on TV and you realize how tall or short they are. And yes. I'm not saying that one is better than the other. I'm not being judgmental, but uh, it's easy for you to do. You're 6'3". Right. Um, but, like, you get, you get that, too, of, like, oh, that's what you look like, not from the, the nipple line up on camera. Yeah, and it's always most interesting when you figure out how tall somebody is or is not, especially if it's somebody you think you don't really like. And it's energy. always shocking when you find out. Like, there yeah. was one guy, he's a very prominent NFL reporter. I was stunned to find out he was six feet tall. I was sure he was 5'8", at most 5'8", positive. Never dawned on me that he could possibly be a six-footer. So now he really ain't got no excuse for being like he is. <laughs> I mean, if you want to name names. But then again, that could be a future guest who could break a commander's No, no I'm not so, worried about know. that part. I just don't want to see him passive-aggressive, right? I had yeah. the opportunity to tell him this to his face, and I did not. You uh, know? Okay, that's fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Bomani Jones with us here on Radio. Like, look at Row. that jacket. It might turn up in the shot. This dude gonna go. come past in his green jacket. You gonna be like, hey man, that's a fresh green jacket. Yeah, we had. A, by the way, you talk about uh, to, to bring this all together, dudes in green jackets and the size of a human being. Like, I could have told you that Aiden Hutchinson was probably a very large man. Yes. That dude walked by earlier. I could not believe how big that dude was. So I have not seen him. It's funny because growing up, his dad is from the same area of Houston that I'm from. So I had a next door neighbor. Who's, who at least he said he was best friends with Aiden's dad because at the time Aiden's dad was an All-American at Michigan. So, of course, the guy would say that he was like right. his best friend or whatever. It would be if that sort of thing. they had met once, they were best friends. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's all it takes is that. But, no, all these dudes walk around, and even those of us who cover this, if you're not like locker room regular basis, you can forget just how big they are. And what has happened here in this particular one with this podcast surge all these guys who don't really like dealing with media have now become media, and mm -hmm. so now they have to come around. And I have seen multiple people give the same line. I saw Cam Newton, and I understand why he simply does not think that Brock Purdy is a game changer. I'm like, y'all didn't understand this from the beginning? Okay, cool. But people have been reminded. Cam, some people are, are so big that they're bigger than the numbers say. They're right. just really big. Yes, Cam, Cam Newton's that guy. So, like, I had a, I had a list going for a while. I, mean, I haven't done this bit in a while, so I'm going to see if I can recall it. But, like, the list was basically – it started with Cam and LeBron. 
that like you just you can't explain how big these people are, and especially if you're lucky enough to watch them either courtside in, in right. LeBron's case or fieldside in Cam's case. Like if you watch Cam Newton, because here's the other thing too, and you know this from being around the NFL and, and doing. I know you weren't like a traditional yeah. sports reporter, but like you've seen NFL dudes up close in yes. pads. If you're next, you're next to Trent Williams, you're like, that's a big dude. You're next to Trent Williams from a football in football pads, and you don't think he's from the same planet. Correct. So like Cam in football pads is ridiculous. Yes. Um, and there's like Cam, LeBron, and a couple other dudes that it, you cannot begin to describe how not human they look, or like how they just can't possibly be the same species that and, we are. And I think LeBron fits in an interesting category. Julius Peppers fits in this one yes. too. At once, you can't believe how big they are, but also in some ways how thin they are. So, like, if you ask me to guess, I would not be surprised if you told me LeBron James has a 32, 33-inch waist. I once saw Julius Peppers in the mall, and I was like, dude, that dude's waist is like 33 inches. It's just everything else. Yes. It's just just massive, giant. And he had the nerve. This is Julius Peppers in North Carolina thought throwing a hood on would make us think that he was somebody else. <laughs> In, like, 2004. You're 6'7", bro. It Dude, ain't no or not. But it's in North Carolina. Right. Like, come on, man. You are, the, you are the local Jolly Green Giant, man. You ain't fooling us. Yeah. No, it's – and then those dudes start to run. Yes. And you're like, no, that can't that can't possibly be correct. So, yeah, it's it's wild. Uh, what's What's been the highlight for the week for you? Like, you're doing your pod out here? You're doing yeah, the I've done thing? the pod out here. I did uh, – the company I do my podcast for, Wave Sports and Entertainment, they also big, do uh, – Yeah, big big uh, year for them. Yes, it is. They also do the Kelsey Brothers podcast. Yes. And so I was at that party last night. How was that? I mean, they set the whole spot up to look like the Kelsey Brothers house. By the way, I have to say, I learned very quickly who pays the bills at Wave Sports and Entertainment, or more accurately, who does not pay the bills at Wave Sports and Entertainment, <laughs> and that would be your boy. Like I had been in there, and we were and like the space, the place, which is called the space. Like that's where we were recording pods out of. They have some studio space in the back, and somebody came and called me at some point. And was like, "Yo, we got to show you something." And I looked on the wall, and they had all these pictures, like AI generated pictures. They had of the Kelsey brothers. They had one of me and Robert Griffin. Griffin also does his podcast for them. And me, like, in some, like, medieval type stuff or whatever. And I was like, okay, cool. So we had to party, and I got a little VIP pass or whatever. And I'm th- I am had my friend with me. I'm like, yo, let me go show you the joint. And we walk around that corner, get to that wall. I wasn't on that wall. They say <laughs> they say I'm back on there right now, but I wasn't on that wall for the Kelsey party. No, sir, Bob. No. It's no. a humbler, Jack. It's a humbler. I actually was thinking about this earlier because there was some, like, one of the seven brands that Travis works with, as maybe it's more than that, but, like, I think it's Experian, the, the debit yeah. card or whatever. Uh, you probably have to do ads for them or something. Uh, <laughs> Dude, that's the thing. They, they buy it up all those types of stuff. But, like, someone else was walking around with an Experian shirt, and I'm like, imagine if, like, Travis was walking around Radio Row this week with, with what's going on, but uh, luckily for him, he, you know, made the game. Yes. If he was walking around, it wouldn't be us, like the us who do this all the time. It would be the interlopers, right? Like the people who don't really do this that, you know, the general audience. That's a lot of this for the Super Bowl is general audience. And he's their guy right now. He is. He is. And he's handling it very well. I agree with that. I have to say that. He seems to. I've, I can't think of anybody who's been in, uh, who's been thrust into this because I think he's like, I like these guys who have dated Kardashians. They thought they wanted this. They thought they knew what the attention crush was. Nah, nah, player. It's, yeah. it's it's more than you ever imagined. I was talking about this actually with my wife last night. We were talking about the their show and kind of the the way that their brand has blown up, and obviously it's taken like it was skyrocketing, and then he started dating Taylor, and then it like added rocket fuel to the rocket ship, and, and 
off it went. It is very interesting to me what Jason added to it, right? Because to a degree, you can make the argument that Jason Kelsey is, in a way, the Eli Manning, which is to say there is a national fame that Eli Manning has because Peyton Manning is his brother, right? Right. Like, that's that's where he gets that from. But Eli Manning standing on his own, it ain't going to be there. But they have such an opposites thing going. And Jason, like, I met him last night for the first time. He's a really interesting, like, and warm kind of dude to talk to. They set each other off just 100% perfectly. Yeah, it's a great pairing. And But I, I think the thing that, and I'm going to give a, a compliment to your company here, uh, and I this is what I was telling my wife last night, is they're so well produced. And not in like it's fake, but like they have hit the, let's talk about Taylor and the Swifties, but also like be very, very high level football, but also explain football to people that have never right. met football. Like the balance that they've achieved, which seems like a, some kind of circus act with a bunch of spinning plates, three or four of which are on fire, and their ability to not drop one of them. Yes. Like that is first and foremost a credit to them, but then like very clearly as someone in the business, like I can see where some of the levers are perhaps being pulled where I think they have done that exactly yes. right. And also, do you have a brother? I do not. I have okay. a, I have so a I, sister. So I have a brother. My brother's 13 years older than me, so we don't have the typical standard brother relationship thing. But I still have a brother. I know how this works. They had an episode where I forget what Travis said to Jason, but it was so that made Jason so bad that they had to shut down the Oh, I they, remember They this, had to yeah. shut down the recording. But then when they came back, they was wearing different clothes, and I was like, oh, damn, he had to come back the next day. Yeah. I was like, oh, this they are keeping it extra real on yeah. this show. And then the fu- the finished product is is polished and good and, and worth listening. Yes. Uh, if you had, I don't know how many interviews you've done this week, probably a million. But like, what's what's been your favorite guest, uh, favorite thing you've done this week? You know, I did one, um, and I think I forget the name of the organization. I want to get it right, but I think it's Vets for Vote or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I saw them. Yeah, and it's yeah. an organization that uh, is taking veterans and trying to get them to be poll workers and kind of it's basically explain the commonality and the idea that okay if you went to fight for america's way of life or for freedom or whatever it is the embodiment of that way of life is the franchise and so to be involved in the political process is a continuation of whatever your mission was before it may not be as rock and sock and robots exciting necessarily but that was a good one i did i met with with my man tom tolbert like i'm seeing all these people who you know, the, the, I call them the how'd you get my number crew, right? <laughs> like all these people that had that call me and I do these hits across the country over really now two decades. Yeah. And now I actually get to see them and sit right. in the same space with them. Like that's that's for somebody in my line of work. That's part of the fun. No, okay. it's it's a huge thing this week. Uh, I, you gave me your number, by the way. Yes, you, you, I knew we, that. We, yeah, you were not a stranger. Yeah, I knew that, that was that was a, a Twitter DM and my name was attached to it. Yes. Uh, so that was that was <laughs> nice. Um, I do want to talk uh, substantively about the, the Leonsis thing in a sure. Second, uh, actually, let's do that now because I forgot the other thing that I was going to say, yeah. which is what happens by Friday on Radio Row. Uh, Bomani Jones with us here on the Hoffman Show. But oh, I remember what it was. Uh, you talking about kind of that meeting in person for all the times you've been on the show. Yesterday, yes. uh, in a commercial break, was the first time we met in person. Yes, it was also the first time that my producer has had to bring us out in the nearly two-year history of the show out of a segment because we were talking, and I was like, "I gotta go." I come back, I put the headset on, and Anthony, who's sitting in our studio back in DC, is going, "It's the Hoffman Show." You're probably wondering why I am talking right now. It's a rite of passage, man. That yeah, was, it's a it's a rite of passage for the producer. It yes. wasn't about you. It was about him. It was yeah. seeing if he could handle the moment. You got you gave Anthony his moment. There we go. That's that's what I do. Yeah, Anthony, uh, you're welcome from Beaumont here. Uh, no, thank but you, it's, sir. it's because <laughs> we were talking about Leonsis moving yes. the Wizards. And there are 
a million angles to this story from economics to class and race to all of these different things. And he gave this interview earlier in the week with our buddy Eric Flack at WSA 9 and had the uh, incredible uh, self-awareness to say, I am surprised at the outrage uh, that has happened. But you, you seem to sit at least fundamentally at the highest level where I am, where it's like, do whatever you want with the Caps, man. Yeah. Why are you bringing the Wizards out of D.C.? Where, where do you sit on this, and what angle of this is most interesting All right, you? so some of you know I grew up an Atlanta Braves fan, and I am not – I didn't grow up in Atlanta. I was born in Atlanta. My parents have lived there for a long time, but I have an attachment to Atlanta and an understanding of that place. And and considering we're relatively close in age, we also had the great fortune of TBS, which meant Braves games were on everywhere. That is correct. I have a long story about that, but, yes, you are 100% correct. So – when the Braves moved from Turner Field to whatever the bank is now, Truist, I guess, is yeah, the one that I think that's what has it is. stadium now. They moved from the heart of the city, and to be honest, not the safest place to be in the world. It was Atlanta has segregation and white flight issues. That any time somebody in Atlanta is not a good sports town, it's like no, Atlanta's a segregated town with bad public transportation. Those people ain't going down there. I get it. I got it to a degree though. But they were set up there, and then they ramrodded, ramrodded the stadium into Cobb County, moved it out, all of this stuff. It was ugly. I didn't like it, but I did at least understand the argument that the fan base that you're talking about would probably get there more easily, be more willing to go there. The Braves can't fight that. Like I get all of that. Got you. So if you want to move the hockey team to Northern Virginia, if I had to guess, that's where the fans are. A great example of that is in Miami, where they moved the hockey team out of Dade County, which is very, very Espanol, right? And they moved it to Broward, which is very, very English-speaking. And it made more sense for the team to be out there. I get that with the hockey team. It don't make the same sense with the basketball team. Because it's not, to me at least, it's not just that we associate basketball with D.C. in the way. And we're talking about high school basketball, college basketball. Right. Even if you move this out to Maryland, right? So when they were in Landover, it made sense for them to be there. It would make sense to be in Silver Spring. It would make sense to be in Bethesda. It would be make sense to be in any of those Maryland sorts of areas for a basketball team. You guys can tell me if I'm wrong here, but that ain't Northern Virginia by any standard that I've had. I've never thought of Northern Virginia being that way. So to leave out of an arena that you own in a part of town that you guys basically took on the impetus of rebuilding and, and building up around this basketball team and then moving out there – Hey man, you're not gonna get no new fans there. Is that you know who knows? Maybe if you win 50 games for the first time in my life, I'm 43 years old. Then hey, maybe they'll show up. But anybody with a brain can understand. You can't sell this, homie. This 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 ain't it. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. And I think the other thing that just bothers me on such a fundamental level is they make such a baseline economic argument, which I don't even know if is true. Um, they they clearly have done the math in a way that says, oh yeah, look at look at all this everything. And they, part of that argument is we're still going to sell out or we're still going to have the same number. Or we might even have more fans. But what they ignore is who the fans are. Yes. And it's like you've had a core group of people who have held your sorry franchise up that has not won 50 games since 1979, has not made the second round – or sorry, the, the conference finals since basically as long. Yes. And now you're just going to abandon them so that someone else can go to the games? <laughs> Like that's and and you're just you're surprised that people are mad about that. Once upon a time, I was looking for work all over the place, and one of the places that I interviewed was I don't I think it was then I think it was then the Comcast DC yeah. station yeah yeah and something I always remember that they told me was you could see in the ratings for the Wizards whenever somebody got a whiff that they might be getting good, you'd see the numbers creep up. Like people have been waiting, they're just 
they rightly are asking, just just be good. Just just give us something to do, and they'd go there. Hell, I was, did Gilbert's pod not too long ago. When Gilbert was there and it was fun, people were interested. If yes. you just give them something, they'll do it. And so it will be absolutely terrible if they finally get there and you moved out here for these people. And I think for people, I mean, I guess I'm doing local radio, so I don't need to explain this, but for people who are not from that area, I don't think they understand the clear delineation between Northern Virginia, the district, and then when you get to PG and Montgomery County. But even to me, and maybe it's just the way my brain works, I think of the district and those two counties in Maryland as being much more together and similar than I think of Northern Virginia. Yeah, no, I think stuff. I think that's fair. I think the Montgomery County shifted a bit. I mean, there's still a lot of money in PG County, but like the 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 lines I would say are much less blurry and they're they're much more clear on the Virginians. I say that as someone who lived in suburban Northern Virginia for a while and quite enjoyed it. And if I had to pick somewhere to live that wasn't in the district where I live right now, I move back out there. Yes. I, li- I like the space yes. as opposed to the, the, if I'm if I'm going to live in the city, I'm going to live in the city. If I want the suburban space, I'm going to live the place where the suburban space. But I also realize that like the reason the suburbs exist is because they are ancillary parts of or auxiliary parts, I should say. Of the city, and the city's the thing exactly. at the center. Uh, Bomani Jones, the Right Time Podcast, available wherever you get your pods. Uh, appreciate your time, man. Great to, to finally yap in person. Likewise. And by the way, the best part of this, you guys don't can't tell this. Kevin Harlan is right over there. Oh, right? he's coming. He's coming next. Okay. I got these headphones on. I can still hear Kevin Harlan. <laughs> like, like, like you're, you're going to get the Kevin Harlan experience. I, I, because I'm getting it right now. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna toss to a commercial break and we're gonna listen to Kevin Harlan, uh, and then Kevin's gonna come over here uh, for a, a quick visit with us next. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app and streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980, where our big game coverage is presented by Solo Stove. Feel the heat of the world's most popular smokeless fire pit, solostove.com. Uh, we are moments away from Kevin Harlan jumping over. Uh, he was just on with Grant and Danny, uh, but he is saying goodbye to Danny on a Zoom right now because Grant is out here in Vegas with us. And then uh, we are going to inform Kevin Harlan that he has inspired a very er, inform Kevin Harlan that he has inspired a very very important part of our show. Something we do daily. Actually, it's not very important. It is just uh, an, an actual thing on our show. Uh, so we're going to welcome in now uh, one of the great voices uh, in our business for just literally about two, three minutes here. Uh, it is Kevin Harlan uh, with us from Westwood One, CBS Sports. Uh, you, you you know the voice. You know the face. Uh, 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 yeah, we are uh, we are live on YouTube, oh, okay, Kevin. Good, so we good, got, good. We got yeah. TV. We got the radio. We got nice, everything. Nice to see you. Thank uh, you for having uh, me on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Craig Hoffman, uh, we are the sister station of, of Grant and Danny and, and oh, 1067 really? okay. here in, in D.C. Yeah, I've been and so, out with those guys a couple times over the years, and it's sure fun to be with they are they are great um they are great we we try to have fun on our show and which is actually why we have you so we have not set you up here but we have a we have a bit on our show that was inspired by you and so we have (laughs) we have circled this week as an i as a as a as a goal to be able to meet with you and tell you about this because i want to ask you about this have with a former tight end with your team does this have okay no no no, okay this is so what this is, the end of our, our show every day, we do a segment we call Real Things Real People Said Into Real Microphones. Yeah. And the segment was founded when I was doing nights and weekends before I had this show, basically as an excuse to play your call of the drunk streakers oh. that would take the field during Monday night football. Yeah. I am just curious because it, on television, when you're going games for CBS, they have to cut away. You can't really talk about it. That is a part of the deal. So it, to me, it always felt like you were like, this is my chance <laughs> when you did that on radio. When, when the, the person comes onto the field and you're like, this is happening. This is the delay in the game. 
What went through your mind when you thought, I'm just going to call this as if it's game action? Well, they were ready for the snap, right? It was the Rams and the Niners. They're ready for the snap, and the kid ran out of the stands and ran right through the slot receiver's position literally seconds before the ball was going to be snapped in a shotgun. And he ran right through the defensive line and the linebackers of the Niners and through their secondary, and he ran with no one even blinking. Like, they just looked at him. The players put their hands on their hips. He ran all the way to the one end. Then he came back the other, and there was no security. Like, he just kept running. And then he kept doing things, like taking off clothes and taking off his hat and waving his arms, and he had something written on his chest. And and and, and Kurt and I were kind of having fun with it. Now, listen, when that bit was over and the game ended, uh, I got to thinking about what I had done and thought, the NFL is going to hate this. I, <laughs> I, I love my job, and I did. I just screw myself here with with this call. Um, luckily, the league was fine with it. it, it it's not something that I would want to repeat. And well, the thing is, though, like it happened again, and and you kind of had it this. did in the Super Bowl. But this guy came out like in a costume, and 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 that was a little. And, and again, the game was bad, and the Chiefs are getting crushed by Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl in Tampa, ironically enough, mm. and. Um, and then the same thing kind of happened. But I swore to my wife, as I as I got in bed oh, that night, no. I will not do this again. No. I promise you. I promise you I will not oh. do it again. Well, that's that's a bummer for Cause, us. Cause you, I, I get in bed about 3 in the morning and because and, we were staying on the other side of the floor. So I literally, after the game in Tampa, drove to, to the Fort Myers, uh, up to north of Fort Myers. Mm. And I got in bed about 3 in the morning after the game had ended. And she said, what did you do? <laughs> I, said, I said, I know it, right? I'm like playing with fire. I got to stop. I got to stop. And so I've not done it since, and I doubt I will anymore. That's okay. We also have used uh, your very uh, enthusiastic Burger King reads on TNT. Oh, yeah, There's been yeah, many. Yeah. Just, just uh, now somewhere in the back of your mind, you'll have a file. When you do something that is funny, which you, you do because you all Well, there was one last very... night on my TNT broadcast. Oh, was there? Yeah, Anthony, yeah. we have to get that ready for the end of the show. We must find this on Twitter. Uh, so, But now you know that it, those moments, on top of humoring your, your vast television audience, are being good put to good use on a radio show in Washington, D.C. Well, I can, I can we trust you, you to handle it with taste yes. and decorum. Yes. And I, I, I thank you for finding some humor in it. I hope my bosses feel the same way. <laughs> well, with that, I do not want to upset your bosses. Oh, uh, yeah. We are splitting our time with, with great this guy. He's been following me around all I know, day long. This, I, I mean, know this guy. But we got to... Uh, he's yeah, muscle. He's, All right, yeah, Andy. Got, All right. right. Andy's, Andy's the muscle. Uh, he's also very responsible for any future interviews I may get, so I don't yeah. want to make him mad Well, either. you call me again sometime. We'll we talk will. longer, okay? Absolutely, we'll do, we'll do and it. we will hear your we'll coverage it. on Sunday. Thank you thank so much, you, Kevin. Thank you so much, Greg. Nice to be on with you. Absolutely. I'll take that from you. Oh, there, yeah, uh, there, take there, the handshake. There, take the handset. There go. All right. That is Kevin Harlan, everybody, uh, who is going to be calling the Super Bowl this Sunday uh, here on the Team 980 on Westwood One. Uh, that was Anthony. Quite frankly, everything I wanted it to be. Nah, that was uh, a dope, you know, interview. Being able to just be graced with his presence—that's crazy, man. That is crazy. Uh, and I love how he just—you uh, couldn't see it. Um, and unfortunately, because like the the shotgun nature of that, I I don't know that the video is the best uh, video we've ever had. So recreating that, I, I might have to do a little uh, creative editing, but. You could see the wheels start to turn. And in a way, it felt like he was getting away with it all over again uh -huh. because, as he said, uh, now that we know, we're never going to get that again because while we want it, I think what his wife thinks is far more important, um, at least to, to Kevin, 
And so we uh, we now know that that that, that he's just not going to do that again. But that was his chance, right? Like his reliving of that moment was his <laughs> chance to be in that moment again for himself. Yep. Clearly, he finds it funny. Yeah. He this is a wacky bit that he enjoys doing, and. I seeing the magic, the light in his eyes, seeing him turn on, go into broadcaster Kevin Harlan calling a game mode. Ah, oh, what an experience, Anthony. That's crazy, man. That is crazy. I'm jealous of you, Craig. I'm not going to lie. We tried to tell you to come out here. <laughs> the, the amount of people you've come across, you've met, uh, it's truly spectacular. I'm looking at the background right now, and it looks crazy for one. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's not. Have you? I know you've been kind of watching the uh, the stream on, online. Have has there been anything that has happened behind us here that you've been like, oh my god, like any person you've seen, any any? Uh, there's been no one making like funny faces behind us. I don't think. No, nah, I don't think so. Uh, everybody's been, you know, TV. I guess. Uh, what is this saying? Appropriate. Yeah, TV appropriate. You know, yeah, they, they act accordingly. They know. They know what time it is. Everybody's yeah. streaming there. Uh, nobody got time for that, Craig. Yeah. Uh, we went to this <laughs> event last night, and it was like, filming in progress. If you don't want to be on camera, avoid this area. And I'm like, that is my entire existence this week. It's just cameras. <laughs> ever. I will say, I was talking about this with, uh, with Clinton earlier. Uh, by the way, uh, Clinton Yates joining the show. Uh, but when we were talking earlier in the day to, to set everything up, I was telling him, like, Radio Row is kind of TV row now. Like, it, you know, obviously, look, we're a part of it. We stream live on YouTube every single day, and we have, like, cameras and all that kind of stuff. It, it happens to be that the, just the way the technology went this week, uh, I'm actually doing this off of my laptop camera. Thank you to, uh, to Apple for making very high-quality cameras that uh, I didn't have to do anything, uh, anything crazy with um, to get really high quality. But, you know, the, the, the thing is, like, you look around, and you know, there's lights and cameras and and. Yeah, like some of it's for like Sports Illustrated Digital, I see. And um, there are like NFL this or there are TV stations with sets. But like so much, it really is still Radio Row. And it is radio stations from around the country. Just all of them are doing what we're doing, which is they have a digital video component. And uh, it's it's pretty wild on top of like the massive sets that like Sirius XM and, and others have. And then I think the other big change for the week is like some of the bigger sets like espn used to always have their set on radio row they don't they have their set somewhere else this year but who does have sets is DraftKings and FanDuel and these other digital only outlets that have become some of the biggest players in our industry that are here on radio row doing their thing yeah man uh i'm not gonna lie i i feel as though and even when i came first came into radio i thought you know everything was just you know, for uh, just audio purposes. But uh, my my old program director, CJ, he was very, like, involved in trying to get it uh, digitalized and, you know, just having a digital uh, uh, aspect to, uh, to everything that we were doing. And now to see, like, everybody's on it is just... It's crazy. That, that, that's just the trend, I guess. Like, that's where everybody's uh, moving towards. And you yeah. do a fantastic job with... All of the stuff you do for the show for 980 is just. Well, yeah. thank you. I wasn't fishing for compliments. Oh, no. Nah. Look, look <laughs> at what I caught. <laughs> look, uh, I'm just giving you 
your, I your appreciate, respect. Because I appreciate the love. Uh, and by the way, if you want to check out, Anthony also does great work on our digital side. The, the podcast is what he uh, puts together every single day. The full show, hour by hour, some of the biggest <laughs> interviews. It's all broken down in the Hoffman Show podcast feed. Subscribe wherever you get your pods. And, yes, we do have a video component to the show live on YouTube at the Team 980 and then on demand as well. Uh, we are going to uh, put up all the highlights of the week. Many of them are already up. There's just too much stuff to put up. So, like, some of the stuff uh, is going to be put out this weekend, but at Craig Hoffman and at the Team 980 for all of the on-demand. Uh, real quick, just a, a thought on, before we get to, to Yates, uh, coming up at uh, 6 o'clock, but a, a thought on the NBA trade deadline yesterday. It was interesting looking at some of the Wizards' reaction and fans talking about the lack of moves yesterday. And I talked on, about this a little bit yesterday, but I guess my big question, Ant, is kind of what's the rush? And looking around the league and some of the deals that got done and the teams I think that didn't make moves, I think, is why I am okay with the Wizards mostly standing pat yesterday. You know, the Wizards ultimately... You know, a, a team like the Lakers, a team like the Warriors would have been good landing spots for a guy like Kyle Kuzma. I actually think, the, you know, either of those teams trading for Kuz, and it would have been ironic if Kuz had gone back to L.A., like that would have been a phenomenal move that would have helped those teams a lot. And there could have been some bigger contracts that come back that the Wizards just take on. But it does seem like there's a lot of Wizards fans, and I think it's split, because I also had a lot of people, as I was tweeting about this yesterday, be like, thank you, like, this is correct so I, I don't want to make it seem like i have some minority opinion or it's like me against the world with this take but like I, I feel like it's been so long and the teams in this town generally speaking have been managed so poorly for so long you know and across multiple sports that like people forgotten how to play chess like everyone's just interested in checkers and like what is the next move well this means this right now and I, I just want to remind folks that, like, Winger and Dawkins are chess players. And they've played chess before. They played chess in Oklahoma City. They played chess in L.A. They are very, very good at understanding the value of their pieces. They are, un they are very good at understanding the value of other things and assets around the league. They have more information than we do, which is not to say that we can't judge what they do uh, within our own knowledge scopes, but... I, I to, to not be able to draw lines, and I saw some very smart people doing this yesterday of, you know, they make the trade for Gafford, right? And they get a first-round pick back. And that first, it's like, oh, well, that's a late first. Some great good that does it. Well, if you take some of the treasure trove of second-round picks that the Wizards have acquired in some deals, even since uh, they took over some of those that came over with Jordan Poole or wherever else, and you package those with that 26th pick, could you get up to 15? And take a really good player at 15 like that's that's the kind of thing that you hopefully are going to be able to do over the next uh couple of years and and the packaging and the moving and being multiple moves ahead and, and so i i get the frustration because it doesn't feel like it's moving forward but these steps are going to be incremental until there is the big one everything is just leading up to the big one and we have not yet uh, gotten close to the treasure trove of assets that are needed for the big one. Um, the other thing that I would also say is Wizards fans are going to have to just live with Jordan Poole for right now. And I realize that sucks. Um, he's been, like, I was someone who was very high on that deal. He's been uh, mind-blowingly ineffective. 
That's literally the nicest way I can say it. It is unbelievable how poor Jordan Poole's performance has been this year. And I, I surely hope that they consider Moot changing his role or benching him or him getting a phantom hamstring injury that just allows him to get away and let's try again next year, perhaps, even. Um, if there's a way you can get off that contract, it, it could be worth it. Um, but then again, because you're not really concerned with your win-loss total in the next couple of years, like there's just an element of living with it and hoping that it rebounds enough to send off to somewhere else that fans are going to have to live with. And I would say the last part of that is let's not forget that the year is 2024 and that a $30 million contract is enough not to be the fifth best player in the league. But in 2024, Jordan Poole is the 50th highest paid player in the league. And that is likely only going to go down as more guys sign extensions ahead of him over the next couple of years years uh we'll get to more nba stuff next week for sure uh we'll get some thoughts on the super bowl game itself coming up over the final hour as well but next clinton yates with his thoughts on the game and the halftime show uh mike golick jr in the final hour as well it's the hoffman show on the team 980 and always live on the free odyssey app